Good morning, Springhouse. I hope you had a good Christmas. And I guess more importantly, I hope you realize you had a good Christmas. Uh, you know, uh, one of the shows, I haven't seen it yet this year, but one of the shows that I always enjoyed watching growing up was uh, The Grinch. How the Grinch stole Christmas. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. And uh, after the Grinch comes and steals all the presents, you know, the Who's all come out and they're still singing. Uh, yeah, Christmas Day is in our grasp as long as we have hands to clasp. And some of you may feel like, well, this year I didn't even have hands to clasp. And so maybe there weren't any presents and maybe there weren't any hands to, to, to clasp. But the word still became flesh and lived among us. And that's what it's about. And nothing, nothing can, can take that away. So, uh, yeah, you had a good Christmas. I had a good Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas. And the word is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so yeah, let's read a couple of verses of scripture together. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Okay. And then one more. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I, the Holy Spirit is not confined to one area. And so I know he's here, but Lord, maybe in every living room, bedroom, kitchen, wherever people are, are watching, maybe in every heart to instruct and may we be instructable in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> why? Why? Uh, this first half of the year, uh, for about five months, we were looking at the life of Jeremiah, uh, and we were basically using as an outline Eugene Peterson's book, uh, Run With the Horses. Uh, tremendous book. I really suggest that you read it if you, if you haven't. But uh, there's another book of his that's very impactful to me uh, called The Pastor. And it's basically a, a biography that he wrote, and particularly of his uh, life as a pastor before he went into the academic community. And he, uh, he asked a question, and the question that he asked is, uh, is this. It was what the first sermon actually I talked on. Why do so many people live so badly? Uh, well... <laughs> Why do so many people live so badly? There's, uh, there are a number of reasons that could be, uh, could be put forward as legitimate answers. However, for American Christians, and I kind of got that a little bit confused because he actually asked that question uh, in Run With The Horses. But in the pastor, I think he answers that question for American Christians. Um, and this is what he says, and uh, I, you know, I don't know exactly how this is happening or who's switching what, but what I'm going to put up on the screen, keep it up for just a little while on the, on the stream until I, uh, and then you, can, then you can bring it back here, okay? But uh, what, he, what he says is this, what, as a pastor, what I wasn't prepared for was the low level of interest that the men and women in my congregation had in God and the scriptures, 
prayer and their souls. Not that they didn't believe and value these things. They just weren't very interested. Y'all do know I'm retiring at the end of next month, right? So, so I, I basically get to, <laughs> I, I can do this. Now, let me say this. If that offends you, it's because it's talking about you. Because not everybody that I, you know, not everybody that I've pastored uh, does that describe, but so very many. And I'll tell you, those that it doesn't describe are definitely not offended by that. So if, if that offends you, well, it, you know, if it doesn't offend you, maybe you just don't care enough to be offended. But if it does offend you, uh, you know, it's talking about you. Yeah, you can put the camera back on me uh, at this point if you want to. Just being honest. I mean, I've been in full-time ministry for over 38 years, and it is rare. It is rare for me to run across a believer who has read the entire Bible. Why? I mean, really, why? Why? You know, I, I run across people who, who read portions of it. Oh, I only read the New Testament, you know. Well, I, I, I only read the, the Law of Moses. I only read the Psalms and everything. Uh, you're not interested in what else he has to say? You're not, you're not interested in... And it's even more rare to find someone who has read the entire Bible and continues to read every day continues to read at least uh, a chapter every day. And, and daily, by the way, means seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. You know, it, it doesn't mean, oh, uh, it's the weekend. I don't have to read the Bible now. What? I mean, do you go, well, it's the weekend. I don't have to eat now. Yeah. I've also discovered that people do what they want to do. And there's not much I can do about that. And you may kind of go, well, no, I'd love to read the Bible. I just don't have to. You do what you want to do. That's, that's just true. This is why this will be the 33rd year in a row that this church has ended the, with the last service of the year talking about this topic. Because people tend to think more about making positive uh, changes when the new year comes around. And, you know, I, I mean, all, most, most everybody will be glad to start writing 2021 instead of 2020, right? Okay. The one doesn't change anything. Doesn't change anything. I mean, I hope it's a better year, and I, and I think it's going to be a better year. But just replacing a zero with a one doesn't change anything. What changes is here? That's what, that's what changes. And maybe one in ten who, who hear this uh, will actually consider reading the Bible uh, this year in its entirety. And, 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 you know, I'm obviously talking about those who don't already, you know, regularly read the Bible. Maybe one in ten. And maybe one in 100 will actually do it. But for that one in 100, 2021 will be a life-changing year. It will absolutely make a huge difference in their life. Uh, over the years, there have been a number of times that I've had people come to me at the end of the year and go, Pastor, the beginning of the year, you challenged us to do this, and I did it, and wow, I'm going to be doing it again, and again, and again. 
Okay, so why? I mean, why, why read the Bible? Anyway, you know, what's, what's in it? What's in it for me? What do I get from reading the Bible? Well, you don't, it's not just about being able to say, I read the Bible. Yeah, that's okay. Wahoo. Uh, the devil's read the Bible, quite frankly. Uh, and the word Bible, you know, it's interesting. The word Bible doesn't actually appear in the Bible. Uh, that's, that's not a word that you'll find there. Uh, but if you trace, if you trace the, that word back to its roots, uh, it actually means the books because the Bible is a collection of 66 books. Uh, but in, in the Bible itself, it's called by a number of different things. It's, uh, uh, it's called by the word of the Lord. Uh, it's called by the law of the Lord, precepts of the Lord, the commands of the Lord. Uh, it is the word of the Lord. And Jesus, Jesus is the living word and the Bible uh, is, is the written word. And you kind of go, well, I prefer the living word. Well, listen, the written word is also alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. Piercing to where it divides the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Okay, so why read the Bible? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you four uh, benefits for quick benefits. Um, there are a whole lot more, but I've also got more to do than just give you benefits today because I don't know if I'll get to do this again anymore. Of course, none of us know what we'll get to do uh, in, in the future, but uh, four benefits. And here's, here's one of them. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. It is so refreshing. To read the word. Does anybody need a soul refreshing? Uh, you, you, next Friday, when the calendar year turns over and you, you buy a new calendar and you, you put it up or whatever, uh, that's not really going to refresh your soul. Uh, and if you don't know that you need soul refreshing, you probably have just misdiagnosed something that's going on. In your life, because everybody needs soul refreshing. And I, I, I didn't know if I should share this or not, but I, I will. It was 50 years ago. Statute of limitations has run out. Uh, yeah. And you might go, well, I, I, get, I get a refreshing, I get a soul refreshing from a Sprite or a Diet Coke or soul food. Uh, comfort food. I get a soul refreshing from a massage. It's just mm, so good. Well, that, those things might be refreshing, but that's not a soul refreshing. Back in the summer of 1970, I had a bad acid trip. Okay, that's my, that's my, that's my thing right there. It was a bummer, man. I mean, that's that's what that's where the, the phrase comes from. And uh, oh, I don't do that anymore, by the way. Uh, <laughs> It's been a long time. But back in 1970, I wasn't trying to walk with the Lord. And, and it was, you know, it was bad. It was bad. And here's what was bad. I discovered that there was this place inside of me that was lonely. And not only that, there was this place inside of me, because I had friends around me in the room and everything. There was this place that no one else could touch. And even though I wasn't trying to follow him, and even though I was really 
running away, I knew that there was someone who could touch there. I didn't call on him for about another, gee, almost five years. But I did realize I need somebody who can touch me where no one else can. And he can. And his word can. And it is soul refreshing. That's what it is. So that's, that's one thing that you get from reading the word. Uh, another thing that you get uh, is wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4 tells us this. The beginning of the wisdom is this. Get wisdom. You know, and, and most of you realize that, well, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's what it says over in Ecclesiastes. But also, the, you can't get wisdom until you realize, I need wisdom. So get wisdom. Though it costs all that you have, get understanding. Now, why? Why? Cost all that I have? Why would I want to do that? And in Proverbs 4, it tells you, she will protect you. She will watch over you. She will honor you. She will exalt you. Those are some worthwhile things to have. And you may think, well, there are, other, there are other ways to do that. I mean, money, fame, power, they can protect you. If you've got enough money, you can be protected. And um, if you've got fame and power, you'll be exalted. You'll, you'll be honored. Uh, those may seem like they offer the same benefits, but they're fool's goal. They're absolutely fool's goal. For one thing, they can be gone, bam, just like that. They, they will flee away and laugh at you as they go. And if you go, well, no, I'm going to hang on to it. I, I'm, not, I'm not stupid enough to let all my money fly away and things like that. And once I get a hold of it, money, fame, power, if you hold on to those, they will absolutely eat your soul and leave you with nothing. But wisdom will give you all of those things and refresh you. Well, where, you know, where can I get some of this stuff? Where can I, where can I get some wisdom? Oh, the word. I mean, we, we, uh, we read it. The statues of the Lord will make wise the simple. I mean, the fear of the Lord is, is uh, the, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statues of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. You don't have to have a massive IQ. In fact, that may kind of stand in your way sometimes. Uh, you know, I mean, we don't, we don't necessarily stop being stupid because we're not teenagers anymore. We still think we know everything, but, but we don't. You don't have to have advanced education. I'm not, those things are good. I'm, it's great to have advanced education, but it's simple. It's simple. Psalm 119.98 says, Your command makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. And then the next two verses go on to, to add, it makes me wiser than my teachers. It makes me wiser than the age. You know, knowledge, uh, knowledge is a good thing. Knowledge is power. But knowledge does not necessarily make you wise. You can know stuff and still not know what to do. And growing old doesn't necessarily make you wise, dadgummit. I think I'm wiser than I used to be. But, you know, there are a lot of 
dumb old people. I, I, I hope to not be one of them, but we'll just see as, as things progress. But the word will make you wise. It'll make you wise. Okay, uh, a couple other things quickly. How about, how about this? How about joy? The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. You know, some people don't read the Bible because they're afraid of it. They're afraid of it. You know, man, I, you know, I read that and I just kind of, ooh, man, that's called conviction. Uh, unless someone else is dumping it on you, and then it's called guilt. But if, if the Holy Spirit is, is because, uh, um, oh, what is that? I, I'm having a senior moment here. See, I'm already, it's already going. Uh, <laughs> Paul says, oh, what is it? Godly sorrow brings repentance and leads to life. Worldly sorrow brings death. And so there's no reason to be afraid of reading the word, reading the Bible. It it brings joy. You know, reading the Bible is, is, is reading God's word uh, is not an awesome thing. I mean, an awful thing. It it, it is an awful thing in that it's uh, in the sense of being awesome. But I need to get off the alliteration here. It's a fearful thing in the sense of being awesome, but it's not fearful in the sense of being dreadful. You know what is dreadful? Adultery. That's dreadful. False witness. Greed. Coveting. That's, all of these are dreadful, soul-eating things. The Word of God brings joy. It brings joy. And one more thing. It brings freedom. Psalm 119.45 says, I walk about, I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. Um, the, the newer translations say, I walk in a wide place, but the King James, I think, nails it this time. It sort of brings it down and goes, let me explain what the wide place is. It's freedom. It's freedom. And, and the, the older I get, the wider the path has become. You know, I know Jesus says, wide is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path that leads to life. And few there be that find it. But once you find it and you begin to walk, it's like a TARDIS. You walk into it and it's a lot bigger on the inside than it looks like on the outside. Once you get there, I, if you don't know what a TARDIS is, just don't worry about it. It's not in the Bible. But, but, but this is, when you have the Word, you begin to walk in freedom. I'm not talking about when you, when you have the Word pounded onto you by somebody else, because that's not freedom. But once you begin to own the Word for yourself and walk in it, freedom comes. Freedom comes in your life. Okay, there's, there's a lot of other stuff, but if these four, you know, haven't sold you, it doesn't matter how many I pile on, it's not going to change anything. So if you go, okay, well, I'd, I'd like some of this stuff. I mean, I could use some freedom. I could use some joy. I could use some wisdom. I could use some soul refreshing. How? I mean, I, where, where do I start? Well, just, just a couple of things here, a couple of points about this. One, uh, choose the best translation. And what's the best translation? It's the one you will read. That's what it is. I don't pay any attention to those who insist on a particular translation. There is no perfect translation. I mean, God's word is perfect, but there is no perfect translation. And there are no original signatures 
for us to go, oh, that's the one Paul wrote. Oh, yeah, that's the one Moses wrote. No, there aren't any. So all the copies, you know, they, they have little differences. Now, this doesn't mean that they aren't the word of the Lord. doesn't mean that the Bible isn't the word of the Lord. Most of the differences don't really have any uh, impact on the meaning. And those who major on those differences usually do so to argue and try to control you. And that's, they've already missed the point. It does mean that the Holy Spirit, the author, needs to be involved. And he will be. He will be if you ask him. Uh, those of you who've been here for very long know that anytime I've talked about this, I've kind of tended to mention that whenever I sit down to read the Bible, I don't ever really sit down to read the Bible without, first of all, going, Holy Spirit, come and help me. Help me to understand what this is and then help me to keep it. Help me to keep it in my heart. And he does. He'll show up. I mean, imagine reading, uh, you know, your favorite author's book with him sitting right there beside you or her sitting right there beside you and going, well, uh, yeah, let me tell you how I came up with that. Let me tell you what that means. Let me tell you how that applies to your life. And the Holy Spirit will do that. Well, which one do you use? Well, I, I prefer the NIV, but that's because I'm stuck in my ways. And I kind of got there back in the 70s. But I, I, I reference multiple translations and, you know, have at it. Have at it. it that's, it, it, it's great. And, and secondly, just be intentional. Be intentional about it. I've discovered that if I want to stay connected to my friends, I have to be intentional. You know, I can't count on random encounters to keep me connected. Uh, I can't count on random encounters to keep me connected to, to Wade. I can't count on random encounters to keep me. Well, actually, I work with uh, Will and, and, and Kevin, and I live next door to Jeremy. But, you know, uh, most of my friends, I got to be intentional. You know, we're, let's see each other. At this point in time, let's have lunch together. Let's 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 play golf. Let's get together and have a prayer meeting. I'm sure that's what most of y'all do, uh, you know. But I, and if if I need to, uh, if I can't count on random encounters to stay connected with my human friends, what about God? You know, oh, He's there all the time. Yes, He is. But do you do you know He's there? Do you encounter Him? You have to be intentional about it. Uh, use a plan. I mean, I, they're, they're all over the place. We used to print up um, a Bible reading in a year plan and hand it out back when people used paper. But we're, we're kinder to trees now. And, uh, you know, you can, you can go online and there are just all kinds of plans ev everywhere. Use a plan. I, I suggest reading all the way through in a year, but that isn't magic. If, it, if you, you know, if it takes you 18 months, you can, most people can read the entire Bible with 15 to 20 minutes a day in a year. But if that, you know, if it takes you 18 months, if it takes you two years, you know, do it. Be intentional. Do it. Do it every day. And don't get hung up. You know, I, uh, <laughs> first time through in particular, people you know, I think sometimes have a tendency to, to stop because they either come to a boring part. I can't pronounce all those names. 
Well, I, you know, I can't pronounce all those names either. I'll tell you a, a dirty little secret. I make them up. And sometimes I kind of go, "Woo, that's a cool name. You know, and sometimes I, and over the years, I've actually started to make some connections with, with who a lot of these people are. And God knows each one of them intimately. Knows how many hairs are on the head of each one of them. Uh, but don't get hung up. And it, well, I came to a part that I didn't understand. Okay, go to the next part. You ever read a book where you came to a part you didn't understand and went, well, I'll just go to the next part and see what the, that's what you do with most books. Do it with the Bible. You know, next time through, you'll understand more. And the next time through, you'll understand more. Don't get, don't get hung up. Just do it. I, I, I now generally read myself for my devotional uh, time. I, I generally read around three chapters a day now. And I, and I read first thing in the morning and I read in the evening right before I go to bed. That's, that's, that's what I do. Um, three chapters a day won't get you all the way through the Bible in a year, but it, it'll get you close. Set a time and keep it. Do I sometimes glaze over? Yes. You know, I, mean, I told you about the Bad acid trip. I might as well tell you this too. Yeah, sometimes I glaze over, and you will too. But you know what? It will still do you good. That's what I've discovered over the years. 1975 was a uh, was a big year for me. 45 years ago. I made a decision to follow Christ as an adult. I'd given him my heart in 1956 as a six-year-old, but I just say I haven't always kept up my end of the bargain. He's always kept up his. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I had, I had some time away, but he never did. He was there every step of the way, and I realized that in 1975, and I, I said, okay, it's time. I'm gonna, I want to follow Christ. That's what I want to do in my life. And uh, that happened in the spring, early spring. In the early fall, I went to visit my, my good friend David Busby. And uh, he was a youth pastor at the time, and he did a, a, a teaching about the value of reading the Word. And... Uh, because he was a Baptist youth pastor, at the end of that teaching, he handed out commitment cards and wanted everybody to fill out a commitment card and sign it. And on the commitment card, it was, uh, it was a commitment to read the Bible every day. And, and you could either put down how many chapters a day you were going to read, or you could put down how much time a day you were going to read. And... I just, I guess it was the Holy Spirit. I, I, I think it was the Holy Spirit. I wrote down 15 chapters a day. And I left going, what have I just done? <laughs> yeah. And so I started in Genesis, 15 chapters a day, boop, all the way through Revelations. And while I, I, I didn't start in Genesis and go through Revelation every time. I read 15 chapters a day for the next 10 years. That was, that was what was going on in my life. 
And it was the most important part of my decision to follow Christ. The most important part. When I, when I uh, made that decision, one of the things that kind of bothered me was I was kind of going, well, what's going to keep me from falling away at this point in time? And, and there, were, there were two things. One of them was the Lord started connecting my life to people who were going to keep me from falling away. But the other was this, I, I, this connection with the Word on a, on a regular daily basis. Now, I'm not saying you need to read 15 chapters a day, and I've already told you I don't still do that. I just did it for a decade. But I'm saying you can't follow him if you don't know where he is or where he's going. And his word is what gives you that information. And let me just say this, and I know people are going to enjoy this so much, so just, you know... Put your, put your thinking, your hearing ears on. Reading Christian books is not the same thing as reading the Bible. Ah, there's some good ones. There's some good ones. But they are no substitute for the Word at all. I go, well, but they're easier to read. And they're the Word of man. I, I would expect God's Word to maybe be a little more challenging than the word of man. Many, and let me just say this, many written in the past 50 years are by people who are at least partially biblically illiterate. Uh, can I say that again? Uh, those, especially those written in the last 50 years are, uh, are written by people who are at least partially biblically illiterate. Uh, Say, so why the last 50 years? Well, and actually it's, it's been more like 70 years. Back in 1952, uh, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale wrote a book called The Power of Positive Thinking. It was a, a Christian book, and, and he became wealthy and a celebrity. It was a bestseller. Money entered into the equation. And I'm not saying that that's why he wrote it. Uh, and the power of positive thinking, you know, the power of positive thinking is good, especially if it's based on Romans 8, 28. God's got this. He's doing something. He's working in my life. But, you know, if, and if, if it's just based on, you know, I know, I think I can. I think I can. Or, I know this is going to be good. Or, you know, uh, pop, being an optimist rather, rather than a pessimist. If it's based on that, that'll work in the world, but it's not, it doesn't need God. So it's got nothing to do with the kingdom. The kingdom is about Romans 8, 28. So, but anyway, I mean, he didn't necessarily, I'm not saying he wrote it to become rich and to become a celebrity, but I am saying that others have come along and followed wealth and celebrity so that there is now a lot of uh, feel-good stuff and how to get ahead in the world stuff and some truly ridiculous junk theory stuff. Hallelujah. Read the Bible. Say, well, you know, you're kind of being kind of hard there. No, look, John, over in 2 John, I would say chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, there's actually only one chapter, says this, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. 
Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked work, which being interpreted means don't buy their books. Well, how can I know who they are? Maybe if you become biblically literate, you'll be able to sort some things out and not have to and not depend on someone else to tell you, well, this one's good and this one's bad and this one's good and this one's bad. Look, there's a lot of good ones. There, there really are. Uh, and, I, and I'm uh, virtually anything by Eugene Peterson, but he would be the first one to tell you, hey, I'm just a human. You know, I'm 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 not going to intentionally lead you astray like some will. And I'm not really in this for the money, but. You know, I, I, can, I can be wrong somewhere. Read the Bible. Reading the word will make you wiser than your enemies, than the enemies of your soul. The worship team can come on out. Uh, I know we've all enjoyed this greatly this morning. Let me remind you of one last thing here. We read it earlier. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. You found yourself in need of any peace this last year? You found yourself in, any, in need of any peace during this season? Think you're going to need some next year when we replace the zero with a one? I can't make you, and God won't make you. But it's available taking great peace have those who love your law